See, there's people gone, you know, there's uh, different uh, new faces that I see, and I'm so encouraged in that, and you know, I on I hear rumors, not rumors, but information rather, on uh, different websites of things going on, you know, the, the church website and stuff. I listen to the podcast, and it seems like church is definitely growing down here, but I think it's more weddings and marriages lately than... <laughs> Anything else? But no, I mean, it's, it's going good. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come down here and be a part of our church again. Because I'll be honest with you, um, three and a half years ago, four years ago, almost in August, uh, we left here to go up and pastor in Centerville, Iowa. And there was a huge part of me that I felt like was just being removed, and, and Lord, you're going to have to do something in me up there, because this is my home, this is my, and we were only here like three and a half years, but this church has had such an impact, not only on my family's life and my life, but on our ministry, and I wouldn't be who I am today without you, without this church, and so I think you need to give yourselves a hand, because I was a piece of work when I got down here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We have definitely been on a journey, and as my wife says, it's been an adventure. But I've been a part of some pretty horrific adventures in my life, and most of them was, was truck problems and everything else coming down to be a part of, of a men's fishing trip or something. And my truck catches on fire on the way back to Centerville three times because the transmission was leaking, and there's just all kinds of different adventures. But luckily, so far, this has been an awesome adventure. So coming down here to be with you again, and so I... I thought I would be nervous. I thought I would step behind this pulpit and, and just be shaking in my boots. But this is family, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. I wanted to talk to you just for a little bit about what's going on in, in Centerville, because honestly, I look at it as an extension of the Salem Church. Now, that being said, my father-in-law pastored for 20 years and left a legacy behind up there in Centerville, Iowa. And uh, when I got the phone call that he was going to resign the church and he asked me to come up and, and take over and minister and, and pastor the church in Centerville, um, something checked in my spirit that, that God was saying, this is what I've uh, been telling you, this is what I prepared you for. And we went through three and a half years of of growth and development while we were down here. And if you remember back when we first got here, we didn't, we weren't involved in anything. We sat on a pew. I didn't want nothing to do with anything. And, you know, we, we were growing. And, and Brother Gene uh, sat us down and, and counseled and, and talked with us. And uh, we decided that, you know, there's a difference between being mentored and developing into what God wants you to be in the kingdom. Amen. So we were down here and he said, it's up to you. This is your time to develop. This is your time to, to, you know, sink or swim. God wants to use you in the kingdom. This is your opportunity. And so I was on the edge of my seat every time that man preached. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of the revelations that I got in ministry came through the mouth of Brother Kyle. Amen. So there is many voices in this church that has helped us grow and, and ministered to, to me especially. And so 
That's why I, I wholeheartedly say I wouldn't be here today without you. Yes, Jesus loved me, Brother Kyle, but you know where would I be without him? Where would I be without the love of this church? You know, I, I talk to people uh, that have visited here and, and they say, you know, there's not many churches that will love you like that church, you know. And so that's a blessing. That's, that's awesome to be said of, of this congregation. So how many is interested in what's going on in Centerville? I mean, so, you know, I've, I've preached here before. We've ministered down here and, and there's been a lot that has transpired and, um, so I had some pictures that I downloaded. Sister Cheyenne, I don't know if we can pull those up. This first picture, let me stand off to the side, but this first picture is small, but <laughs> no, I understand. Um, we have started a building program. We have started an adventure in Centerville. And so um, we had a building committee. The Lord uh, you know, helped us develop um, the, the church plans, and we had a, a smaller church, 40 feet wide, 60 feet long, um, that my father-in-law and the church congregation at the time purchased was an old shirt factory, like 1995. They transformed that into a church facility, and that was a lot of work in itself. And so, since then, since we came back, we have remodeled some of the downstairs. You know, the upstairs was pretty good, but we got to the point where we had every chair filled in that church. Um, they were they were averaging about fifty five uh, saints on a given Sunday or uh, anything. And so when we got there, um, we had I had ninety six chairs set out, and there were some services we had one hundred and fourteen people in there. I mean, there was. God was moving when we uh, when we got there, and people were expecting a great work of God. Now, that being said, there was no parking lot. There was no other place for them to sit. They were they were parking down the street and walking two blocks to get to the sanctuary, and so. We started out in different phases. We started out by building a big parking lot. You can't really see it in this picture, but a big parking lot out back. It was all grass. And uh, some of you have been up there to, to minister, but we have um, now expanded the whole parking lot all the way out to the road. The youth group was a little disappointed because they used to play kickball out there. But you know what? We're about the Lord's work, and we need places to park, right? They can go to the park. So... We ended up uh, making a big parking lot, and, and I really felt in my spirit that I wanted to challenge the church and see where their vision was. I can cast a vision pretty well to get people behind me, but if the church as a whole isn't behind that vision, then, you know, where are we going to go, right? I can trust in the Lord all day long, but the Bible says that, that the blessings will come through the bosoms of men. And so I believe he can put a coin in a fish's mouth for me, but I wanted the church behind me, amen? Because without a vision, the people perish. And so we started out uh, paying off the parking lot, and we set out a goal of, of one year's time. We were paying off $15,000. Now, I was directly involved and in, in a part of this building process for the gymnasium, you know, and I believe that was my uh, training period there that God was preparing me to go through another building project. So we ended up uh, paying off the parking lot in eight months. And I mean, that, that was a huge feat for our congregation. And I am so proud that people stepped up and did that. It was awesome. 
So we got done with that phase. I said, as soon as we pay off that parking lot, we'll go forward with a building addition. And I'm expecting a year down the road, you know, well, maybe some late pledges will come in and we'll get it paid off in a year and a half. I won't have to worry about it right away. Eight months time, it was done. And they're like, let's go. You said it. Let's get moving. So we ended up, uh, I drew it up and got some quotes. And uh, what we're doing is expanding the sanctuary 40 feet. It's already 40 feet wide, but now we're expanding it 40 feet further. And right now we've got a big wall like this right here at the front of the sanctuary with 40 feet on the other side. So I'm going to take that wall out when it gets closer. We're going to get all the drywall done in there and everything so it doesn't disrupt the services too much. But down below, we have a, a two-story building uh, with a walkout basement. It's kind of on a hill. And down below, we have a 40 by 40 fellowship hall because that was one of the biggest complaints. There's no place to put tables. There's no place to fellowship, right? We're Pentecostal, amen? I mean, we like to fellowship around a whole lot of food. So we ended up putting in a big fellowship hall and uh, it, late in the game, we found out that um, we needed a lot more classroom space. You know, we're growing in numbers. We need a lot more classroom space. That's, that's every church's building program. You know, we need more classroom space. So we ended up, uh, we're adding on 18 feet out to the west and 70 feet long so we can add in some bathrooms and uh, a couple more classrooms and a big storage room for the fellowship hall. Can you go to the next picture, Sister Cheyenne? So this is the, the backside now, kind of right where we're at. I just got a phone call today. They're getting ready to pour the concrete on the backside. But we've got an area that's covered on the backside. We've got a big parking lot now. And uh, so this is, this is the church edition. And so God's really blessing us there. We you know, financed it, no problem. Uh, the church integrity in that community was, was solid. So everybody's behind us. But the blessings came truly that stick out in my mind was uh, we've been sacrificing for three and a half years uh, doing a food program in our community. And so the food program, yeah, don't give away the farm yet. So the food program is the APC food pantry is what they call it. And a lot of people associated that with Appanoose County. And we were praying for years, and we had our food um, we had our food pantry right off the square, which is about two miles from where the church is. And so there wasn't a lot of association with the church. And so we would operate the food pantry. Uh, we rented the space, and I prayed early on, Lord, let. Don't let this be a financial hindrance, you know, on our church where we're trying to grow. We're trying to, you know, we were debt free, um, but we wanted to go into this building program. And so um, I didn't want it to be a real financial burden on the church. For three and a half years, the community has supported every rent payment, every amount of electricity we used through grants, through donations. We haven't had to spend a dime on it, but we had to sacrifice to do the Lord's work. Amen. So we were a part of that, and uh, we were contacted by Walmart, actually. Um, they had a need. One of their core programs in our community was to donate food like three days before expiration. Either they'll freeze it, or if it's perishable, 
then they'll donate it three days before the expiration so we can distribute it every Friday. And so we signed up with that. They donated like 10 chest freezers right off the bat because they donate meat, they donate milk and yogurts and vegetables and everything. I mean, we're talking so much food, it's about 140,000 pounds of food a year that they donate to our food pantry. And that's something that is a God thing, you know, because everybody that I talk to is like, how do you get involved in something like that? Well, actually, they approached us. They said, hey, you got a good church. You got good people in your church that are willing to work. Would you open a food pantry for us? Walmart came to us and did that. So we did. And for three and a half years, we've been sacrificing. We've been laboring at the food pantry. And we've been praying, Lord, help us connect um, the, the community to our church. Help us connect through this food program. Uh, help us get these people in our doors. What are we going to do? You know, we've been putting flyers in the boxes. We've been telling them, you know, come to church. We've been, put up a prayer box, you know, to take prayer needs. We pray for people right in the line as they're standing there. And uh, generally, about every year, uh, we average it out. There's over a thousand different families that make their way through that food pantry every year. Now, they're able to come back uh, every four weeks. So once a month, they're there, and we give them about two weeks' worth of food. And so it's such a blessing to them. And um, so I was praying about this, and I'm eating up all my time because I got a message tonight too, but this is good stuff because when God is involved in something... You can't limit that. And what you think is possible, God's got another level that He wants to bless you with. Amen? And so, amen. Amen. So we set out, we started praying, we started fasting. Lord, help us connect this community to our church. We already have ads in the paper or, or they would run stories, you know, about our church being involved, but it wasn't enough because most people didn't make the, they didn't connect the dots. And so I was approached by a lady that, that uh, said that, hey, there's some money in a fund uh, that's ran by the United Way. And most of us know something about the United Way, and, and it's hard for church groups, if you will, to uh, get some of that money, okay? So uh, we started praying about it, and, and she said, you know, we could really use the money to build a food pantry. You know, let, let's try and uh, write up a grant proposal for that. And I said, I don't care. That's fine. I got a vision. If I pray about it, I'll pray, Lord, give me favor with these people and see what happens, right? If it's not, if it doesn't happen, it's not His will right then. That's what I pray. And so if you can go to the next slide here, we've got a brand new food pantry facility right on our property. Now, the last picture you saw was right here. There's an alley that comes down between the two. This is on our property right now. We got a $100,000 check from United Way. No strings attached. We're trusting you to build a food pantry. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. And so this facility is 50 feet by 60 feet. It's a pole barn facility. It's all concrete on the inside. Go to the next slide. And this is from the road. And so we're going to get a big old sign put up there on the side of the building that says, Apostolic Pentecostal Church Food Pantry. So everybody that drives by can see who's running this. Amen. Amen. So this is a God building. This is God's money, and we're putting it to work in our community. 
Amen. So that's kind of a little bit about what's going on. Now, during the last three and a half years, we've seen God's blessings through this food pantry. We've seen the fact that that we're, we're involved in something that He cares about, okay? Because when uh, we had a need, I was using my own truck, pulling a trailer, and I, I've got a couple faithful gentlemen at the church that are involved in running this food pantry. But for the first year, I was the one laboring alongside of them and going and picking up food three times a week and using my van, using my truck and pulling a trailer. And we got a trailer donated by the Appanoose County Community Fund. $5,000. Got a nice tandem axle, brand new trailer. That was God saying, here, I believe in what you're doing. You start out small before he just gives you the whole farm. Amen. And so we were driving the trailer, and we were picking up food, and we were laboring. And, and so we got to the point where, man, Lord, it'd be really nice if we had a nice box truck to just back up to the dock and load this stuff up. So I applied for a grant at Walmart Foundation. They gave us $34,000 to buy a brand new box truck with a Tommy Liftgate on the back of it to pick up food. So it's completely wrapped. It's got the church logos and the food pantry logos. And God says, I'm not done yet. He says, I want you to build a building. I said, okay, Lord, I'll fill out another grant. And sure enough, he says, here's a $100,000. Build you a building. I can't imagine what he's going to do next. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. Amen. Amen. So, you know, that being said, I, I came down here thinking about a, a different message totally, but I, I think about our experiences up there and, and God kept laying this message on my heart, uh, a different one. So today I, I, you know, started digging in a little bit and, and okay, God, you know, what do you want for this Salem church? What do you want me to speak about tonight? And, and we go through all of these blessings. We go through what God has done for us, right? And, and, and there's obstacles along the way, but the prize is what you need to focus on. Amen. Amen. So I want to preach to you tonight that there was two that saw the grapes. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? One time we're going to read out of the Word in Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. And then we're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord has for us tonight. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter 15. Starting in verse 13, it reads like this. It says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Everybody say great substance. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you right now. Lord, I pray that there would be an anointing like no other come down from heaven, Lord, on this word today. Somebody needs to hear about your greatness, Lord. And I want them to leave this place knowing that you are a God that is going to provide for them. Lord, I pray that you would minister to this body of believers right now. In Jesus' name I pray, let an anointing flow through me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You can be seated tonight. 
Amen. See, God tells Abram that his seed shall be a stranger in a land. And it'll be afflicted for 400 years. And then God is going to judge that nation and they shall come out with great substance. Now, when, when you hear something like that, when you hear like God's judgment is going to come, you know, the first reaction people have is, oh my Lord, am I going to be able to endure it? Am I going to be able to make it through that? But he, he follows it up with, with, uh, I will judge that nation and they shall come out. Everybody say, come out. You're going to come out of your situation, but more than that, you're going to come out with great substance. See, church, there's some times that we need to go through some stuff in order to get the prize, amen? There's sometimes we need to sacrifice a little bit in order to get what God really wants for us, amen? I believe that tonight. Now, God gave Moses a word of promise to bring to the children of Israel. And, and this promise comes to them after 400 years of slavery. Now, there is generations that have risen and fallen in 400 years. Amen. But Moses came to bring a message, a promise from the Lord. And the promise, it's found in Exodus 3, verse 17. It says, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the uh, Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Now that's a promise. A land flowing with milk and honey. And then he goes on in Deuteronomy 6, 10 and 11. He tells them, Wait a minute, I know I told you that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, but I left something out. Okay, there are great and goodly cities there, he says, that you didn't build. There are houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells already dug. You won't have to dig any, and there are vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Now that sounds pretty promising, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. A a land that already has the wells dug. Houses are already full. They're just waiting for us. That's a promise from the Lord. But there's just one small little detail that I have to mention to you. There are giants over there. Some people get hung up on the giants. Amen? Let's look at Numbers 13. I'm going to skip around a little bit. In verse 1 through 3 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers, shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Skip down to verse 17. It says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what what it is. And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, where it, uh, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zen unto Rahab, as men cometh to Hamath, and they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where uh, 
Amen, Shishai, I got to be careful, it'd be a tongue twister there. Uh, Tell my and the children of Anak were. Anak, there was always giants in that land. Now Hebron was built seven years before um, Zon in Egypt. And they came under the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. Everybody say grapes. And they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. I'm trying to set a foundation here, church. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. They walked through this land of milk and honey for 40 days, and they searched out the land, and they cut down the grapes. They were bringing back the fruit of the land. And verse 30, it goes on, it says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, Caleb was a man of great faith. He saw the grapes. He was, he was looking at God's promises. In verse 31, it says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we, we, we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. That right there will preach a whole message. We were in our own sight. The grasshopper, as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and then so did they. They saw us as grasshoppers as well. See, Moses sends 12 spies in to spy out the land and bring back some fruit of the land. They go into the land and they spy out the land and they bring back figs. <clears throat> and pomegranates and grapes. And the grapes were so big that it took two men to carry one cluster on a staff between them. The Bible doesn't say who these two men were, but I think they were Joshua and Caleb because they were the only two who agreed upon the promises of God and who believed that they could possess their inheritance. Amen? Amen. We need some Caleb's in our churches. Amen. We need some Caleb's to rise up and say, Oh, all I see is grapes. I don't see any giants. God said they were going to be there, but that's okay because there's grapes. They see the grapes. All 12 spies announced it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of the fruit. They all knew how great the provision was. And the ten spies went on to say, nevertheless, which in our vernacular today means but, right? We went up there, but there's great fruit there, but. Yeah. As soon as I see that but, I know trouble is brewing. That one little word has robbed people of their faith. That one little word demolishes everything that's been said before that. I know God can heal, but my problems are too big, right? I know God can deliver, but I've been this way a long time. 
I know God can open the door, but that door's locked. I don't know if He can open it. I know God can bring water out of the rock, but can He give us a table and put meat on it here in the wilderness? I know God can, but... How many times have we stood on the border of our promised land and failed to take possession? We're right at the brink of that possession. He says, go and take it. And we say, Lord, but but it's too hard. I can't do it. He says, go. Every time you add that word to the promises of God, you limit God and disqualify yourself from His promise and from His provision. I believe that. See, these ten spies all had the same problem. They had giants in their eyes. That's all they saw. They went over there. They said, oh, the land truly is flowing with milk and honey, but, but there's giants in the land. And at some point in your life, as a believer, you have to make up your mind what you want in life. You, you either want the giants or you want the grapes. What are you going to focus on, church? See, grapes are the promises of God, the blessings, the provisions of God, the food pantry, the new sanctuary. Lord, I, I want that. You know, and I believe that's going to happen, Lord. You've, you've given it to our church, but now we need to possess it. Or are we going to see the giants that, that sit up there at the courthouse and say, I don't want that in my community. I'm going to make it difficult for you. I'm sorry, church. I serve a great God. And He's all about the promises and not about the problems. See, the giants are the enemies and the adversaries to the promises and, and the provisions of God. Giants are employed by the devil to resist you. They're there to frustrate you and steal the promises of God for your life. There's all kinds of giants. There's all kinds of giants. There's fear. There's depression. There's insecurity, inferiority, sickness, debt, worry, anxiety, stress, family problems. There's marriage problems. These are stealing our promises that God has already given us. He says, possess the land. It's there already. The houses are already stocked. The cabinets are full. Go and take what I've given you. But we say, God, there's giants over there. I can't do it. He didn't say, go in there and see if you can do it. He said, I've already given it. See, in life, you're either going to have giants or grapes, but you can't have both. That means either the giants are going to occupy your thoughts, they're going to capture your attention and to decide your actions and control your life, or the grapes will. What would our life be like if we looked at something and said, a $100,000 grant for a food pantry, there's no way they're going to give it to us. They don't even like the church. They don't even like giving money, let alone giving it to us to feed people. What would it have been like? I probably wouldn't have got it, right? Because I was focusing on the giants. No, my God said, go fill that thing out. I want to bless your church. You've been faithful with little. I want to give you much. Amen? So I filled it out. I said, I prayed over it. I said, Lord, give us favor with these people. Blind them if you got to. Oh, we want the provisions that you've promised us. And I send it in. 
They have a little meeting, five or six of them sitting around a table. I get a phone call at seven o'clock at night. They said, hey, we've approved your grant. We'll give you the money. But first and foremost, when I was in the meeting, I forgot to mention this. They, they said, well, we want you to separate from the church, this food pantry. We want it to be under an LLC. We want you to separate the liability from the church so that it's its own entity because we don't want it to uh, be a part of the church forever. You know, we want it to be able to be passed on and somebody else come in and, and occupy it and stuff. And, and I, I sat there and thought about it. I said, well, God, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like like you're just giving it to us. It sounds like Satan's wanting to keep control over it. Amen? And so I prayed about it, like quickly under my breath. I said, gentlemen, I don't think that's going to work. I said, the way the food pantry operates under the umbrella of the church, and that not only means that we're praying for this food pantry, but we have the insurance covered it. It's tax-free on our land. There is a lot of blessings associated with being under the umbrella of the church. I said, so I'm not going to do this if there's going to be strings attached. And they said, well, you know, we, we understand where you're coming from. Let us meet about it. And 7 o'clock that night, I got that call, and they said... We agree. Here's your money. No strings attached. See, when God is in it, if we can focus on the giants, we're not going to get anything out of it. But if we see the grapes and we see the figs and the pomegranates, God's saying, here, take them. You're going to need a couple people because they're huge. If you're motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, the giants aren't going to be any problem. I want to tell you real quick what God's doing in my life. I told you a little bit about what God's doing up in the food pantry. Many of you know my story, my testimony, how I, uh, you know, Parents got divorced when I was eight years old. I, I transitioned through high school over in Oakville, grew up in Southern California, um, joined the Navy, uh, was in the Navy for, for a while. Stuff happened in the Navy, was out of the Navy. I was lit, I was a drunk. I was doing drugs. I was, I was addicted. I was living for myself. I cussed like a sailor. Truly, I know what that means. Where people say, I, I can't help it. Yes, you can help it, but it's going to take God to do a miracle in your life. Amen. But here I was, I was, I was living for myself and, and I went to a church in Carlisle, Illinois and got baptized in Jesus name. I got refilled with the Holy Ghost in that church and, and, and God started doing something. And so I moved to Iowa and, uh, I ended up, this was like, uh, 1998 and I ended up, um, getting involved in different things. And finally, when stuff really hit the fan up there, uh, I got into church up there, UPC church, right in my town. Had no idea he was even, even there. And so I started going to that church because that's where I got baptized and that's where I felt like I belonged. And so I started going to this church up there. And, and long story short, I knew that that uh, during that time, I was fighting. I was, I was, you know, all about myself and selfish and, and staying in front of the mirror way too long. Way too much vanity. I mean, I got, it was crazy. And so um, I, I got married and, and continued to develop. Married a wonderful woman. And uh, I, that's you, babe. 
Okay, so married a wonderful woman. And so um, we, we started developing and we became youth pastors down in uh, Centerville for a number of years. And we came down here and, and we went back and now we're pastoring. And Satan all this time has been nipping at my heels trying to get me back to who I was. Now he knew he couldn't get me with alcohol anymore. He knew he couldn't get me with drugs anymore. God delivered me of all that. I laid the cigarettes down. I put the beer down. I, I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. Amen? But it was something that that's still in me that maybe Satan can draw out some anger. Maybe Satan can draw out uh, some physical fighting or something. And so I ended up going to a golf tournament with my daughter. And this was just a few months ago. Beginning of May. Now, mind you, I'm a pastor of a church up there. But there is... Stuff still in us that if it's unresolved, Satan will draw it out. Amen? And so this is my confirmation of who God is and, and developed in me. And so I'm at a golf tournament with, with my oldest daughter. She's playing golf. And I made a, a, a comment to one of the other players. And apparently I offended her, but I didn't. Uh, meaning that, you know, I told her she had an attitude. She wasn't helping matters. She started crying and she had all, and the coach of her team is like, all right, let's leave the parents out of it. I said, okay. I went back to my cart and sat down. She was bullying my daughter. She was t causing her to saying that she's cheating all this time. So I was a parent, you know, so Anyways, I got back in my cart and I get back up to the clubhouse and uh, the tournament was over and I went inside and I know an awful lot of people up there, okay? Now, mind you, I have prayed at every athletic banquet that the school has had. It is, it is a public school, okay? We still have prayer in our school, um, I pray over the food. I, I pray at these athletic banquets. They invited me to, to um, be the speaker at a Veterans Day assembly, okay? So everybody knows me up there. And so I walk inside this, um, this clubhouse and I see people and they're all looking at me and stuff. I see a guy I didn't really recognize, but he was looking at me, but he looked familiar. I didn't know who he was. And so we end up walking out of the clubhouse. I didn't know if this was going to be a part of this sermon, but this is good stuff, Brother Kyle. We walk out of the clubhouse and he says, hey, and I turned around thinking he wanted to talk to me, okay? Now, mind you, my entire life was, was anger and living for myself. I was the guy that would throw the McDonald's cup back through the window if it didn't come out right. That was who I was. Now, we can choose to continue to stay like that deep inside, or we can let God truly mold us into somebody that can be used in the kingdom, amen? And so he says, hey, I turned around, he shoves me in my chest. Now, I'm a big enough guy, I ain't going to fall to the ground, right? But it, I took a couple steps back, I said, what's going on? And he shoves me again. And this guy, mind you, is taller than me, and about that much wider than me. He truly was a giant. And if I would have focused on the giant, I probably would have been drawn into a situation that I didn't want to be in anymore. That's not who I am. Amen. So I said, I said, what's the problem? Don't you ever talk to my daughter like that again, he says. And he shoves me again. And finally, finally, 
I'm standing there. And he grabs me by the throat. What would you do? I know what the burners would probably do, but what would you do? He grabs me by the throat. And he had evil in his eyes. See, before I went up there to pastor, I may not have recognized what evil was. But I knew what evil was. And I knew that God was on my side. And I chose to see the grapes and not the giant in that situation. I never clenched a fist. I never raised my hands. Nothing. I apologized to him. He pushed me out. He said he wanted to follow me to my vehicle, apparently, to finish it. But finally, he went back in the clubhouse. I asked my youngest daughter, Joy, I said, did you learn anything through that? And here I've got adrenaline just raging. I mean... And I'll be honest with you, by the time he grabbed my throat, I had 27 scenarios of how to kill this guy. Okay? Now, that is where God has ended up in my life. If they slap you, turn the other cheek. Give them the clothes off your back. Jesus was spat on. He was persecuted. He was ridiculed. He was nailed to a cross. Who am I to respond more than Him? He was a sheep being led to the slaughter. If you want to pound on me, so be it. I'm still going to live for God. I'm still going to see the grapes. So I press charges on Him. And I don't know what's going to come out of it yet, but I do have a nice little paper on my counter that says, no contact order. So I found out that this guy is the president and owner of a major $20 million company in the next town over. Right, and I just pray for God's provision, Lord. You know, you know anything you want to bring through this, I'm okay with that. You know, we're trying to pay off a church, Lord. <laughs> No, but in all honesty, I want God's will to be done. I did my part and I left it in God's hands. But, oh, the interesting thing was, and we're getting way off track. I got 15 minutes. That's good stuff. Um, He grabbed my throat. He grabbed my hand. I grabbed his arm and I pulled it down gently. I said, sir, I'm a pastor. I said, you don't have to do this. And he says, I don't care who you are with a whole bunch of cuss words in there. And at that point, I knew, man, God's going to get you. (laughs) So I don't know, like I said, what's going to come out of it. But I knew that I was at a place where I was still in God's favor. And so, mind you, I never got touched. Besides that, I never got pounded on or nothing. It was a great evening after that. We spent hours, you know, fellowshipping in the police station. It was great. (laughs) Filling out reports, you know. It was great. Real bonding moment for our family. It was an adventure, sweetheart. An adventure. She loves adventures with me. So... If you're motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, the giants won't be any problem. Amen? 
Amen. If we can see the good that God has promised His people, and we receive that goodness, we receive those promises, not focusing on the obstacles, not focusing on what Satan's trying to trip us up with, if we can see the provisions that God is bringing our way, amen, that is where our motivation needs to be. That is when the giants aren't going to mean anything to us. Satan's going to try, but he doesn't have to succeed. If you're controlled and manipulated and dominated by the giants, then you'll never taste the grapes. I went up to Centerville and I wanted to taste some grapes. I wanted God's hand on our church. I wanted God's hand on that food pantry. We prayed, we fasted, and God said, this is what I'm going to do. And that's the only thing I wanted to focus on. When you're motivated and energized and driven by the grapes, you're going to scare some people. You're going to scare others around you. Because in a normal reaction, a normal situation, everybody, even from the school that I have prayed at and stuff, even from that school, they're like, why didn't you react? Why didn't you pound on him? We know you were in the Navy. We know you, you were like that. Yes, but I'm not like that anymore. Right? The Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. If we're saying, I want to be like Jesus, why can't we act like Jesus? Why do we have to stumble and fall and and be in the world for a moment? No, it's not right. Live your life to please Jesus. Quit looking at the giants. They're not there and they can't attack you. Focus on the grapes. Now we had a... Uh, a time in our Sunday school department that um, we didn't have a whole lot of kids. And so uh, we had somebody donate uh, $6,000 to buy a shuttle bus. And uh, the youth in here have probably seen it. We've been to Illinois Youth Convention in it and stuff. It was a great, great shuttle bus. And we had some people that were coming that, uh, that wanted to help out in the Sunday school department. They wanted to be a part of something. So I encouraged them to go and get their license. Because frankly, I was tired of driving the bus all the time. And so I was the only one that had my license to drive this bus. And so I took him to get his license. He got the, the bus license. And so he, I, I asked him, I said, you want to start up the bus ministry? You've got kids that you're bringing in your Durango. Do you want to go and start reaching out and, and be a director of our bus ministry? And they were excited. All they saw was grapes. All they saw was provision and God's going to provide because she stepped out and, and his wife, she says, I'm going to fill this bus. And guess what? In about three weeks time, she filled the entire bus. God is providing, but it takes souls individuals that'll step out and say, you know what? I see God's provision and I'm going after it. You may not like what I'm doing, but that's okay because God is my focus. I'm not here to please you. You're going to make some bold statements like Joshua and Caleb. You're going to boldly declare we are well able to take the land. We're well able to do what God said. We can do it. They told everybody, let's go get it. Now I want you to know, when you become aggressive in your faith, 
And when you become bold in your confession and you're going to attract attention through that, you're going to stir people up through that. When you start outreach and you start witnessing to people and you start doing Celebrate Recovery, you start reaching out to people and guess what? People are going to respond to that. Some people are going to sit back and say, I can't believe they're doing that. Oh man, I don't even want to admit that I know them. Guess what? It's not about you. It's about the grapes. They're going after the kingdom business. Amen? That's what it's all about. Some people can only see giants. All they can talk about are giants. All they can see is the bad economy, the dwindling social security. They see the giants that's coming down the pike. All they can see is the negative, and they have decided that it's not worth it. You know, I'm just fine where I'm at. I don't need anything more. Yeah, God said that He'd do this, but I'm not too worried about it. Somebody else will do that. See, some people that only see giants, they're going to fight you. They're going to fight you, and they will criticize you, and they're going to persecute you. And they'll do everything they can to hinder you and keep you from moving forward and possessing the greater blessing. See, the truth is, and this describes many in, the, in churches, they, they've been captured by the giants. They, they're held hostage by the giants. They're in a giant prison, if you will. They're being held prisoner by a giant mentality. And these are the ones who are going to resist you and resent you for breaking out of the giant prison. If you tell them, I'm no longer like that. I only want to do the kingdom things. I want to do what's important in the church. And, and you're going to get rid of and people that only see giants are going to put you down. They're going to criticize you and do everything they can to discourage your faith. But like Joshua and Caleb, I said earlier, we need some Caleb's to rise up. You have to be able to say to these people, I love you, but I don't agree with you. I'm about the Lord's business and your opinion doesn't matter to me right now. Amen? Amen. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? Amen. There are some situations that sometimes it's okay to step out of. It's okay to remove yourself from being around certain people. Because if all they're doing is talking about the giants, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of God's blessings. Once you taste the grapes, the giants don't matter anymore. See, giants are just something you have to deal with to get the grapes. Giants are problems. Grapes are promises. If we can have some music. You know, I, I stepped up to this pulpit tonight. And yes, God's doing great things in Centerville. But, but there's some awfully big giants that we've had to conquer up there. There's some awfully big obstacles and awfully big situations that we had to conquer up there because if we didn't put those giants down, if we didn't cut that head off that giant, they were going to continue to come after us. You think back to the story of David. He didn't slay the giant with the sling and a stone. He slayed the giant when he cut his head off. It's more than just knocking down the giants. It's removing them 
completely from your situation. Sometimes the giants are going to keep coming back until you take care of them once and for all. How do we take care of the giants? How do we take care of those giants? So sayings at sea, they, they seem, so sub, seem so powerful in your life. They're consuming you. They're consuming your finances. They're consuming your, your marriage. They're consuming your health situation. There is giants that we feel like we cannot defeat. Amen? Every one of us can think probably of a giant in your life. I don't want to be that way. I want to choose the blessings of God over seeing the negative. If I am walking around and my health is degrading, I don't want to be somebody that tells everybody how bad my health is. I want to be somebody that says God is good and I still got breath in my lungs to worship Him. Amen? Amen. If, if I've got $3 in the bank and I've got a mortgage due, I'm not going to go around telling everybody about my problems. That's a giant that will consume you. It takes your focus off what God wants to do for you. And I'm telling you, if you put your focus on the blessings and provisions of God, and you have that little bit of faith, and you reach out and you say, God, I know you're a provider, and you've said that you want to provide for me, and you reach towards God instead of focusing on your problems, God will make a way. I believe that. God wants us to have favor in this world. And more than that, He wants us to have authority in the land that He's given us. Authority over every problem. Authority over every giant that comes our way. Amen? I told you giants was just uh, employees of Satan that are there just to stir you up, just to cause some problems in your life. Amen. If we can rise to our feet and be the people of God and say, you know what? I'm standing for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Satan, you get out of here because you're not a giant in my life. Amen. I believe that God will give us favor and authority over everything he has for us in our lives. When you close your eyes at night, I want you to see grapes. How many of us fall asleep at night and all we see is our problems? All we see is our giants. All we see is our addictions. All we see is the way we interact with people at Walmart. Come on! I'm talking about I want to see myself a child of the king when I lay my head on that pillow. Because every dream I have, I want to be under the authority of the Lord. Amen. I don't want to be dwelling with the devil's devices. I, want to, I don't want to give him any authority in my life. Because the devil only has power if we give him that power. You believe that? We're children of the king. We need to start living like it. See, I believe I feel some people standing up in their faith today. Would you rise to your feet with me today? I believe that there is people in here that are hungry for that authority that I'm talking about. I believe that there are situations in your life 
that we need to take authority over today. I believe that. And I believe that there is grapes available in each and every one of our lives. I believe there's figs, that there's pomegranates, there's small blessings, there's big blessings. There is blessings so big you need a a friend to help you carry them in. I mean that. God wants great things for His people. Tell somebody next to you, I'm grabbing the grapes. See, I'm going to grab my joy tonight. I'm grabbing my peace. I'm grabbing the salvation of those prodigal sons that are not here tonight. I'm grabbing my new anointing tonight. I'm grabbing a breakthrough in my finances tonight. I'm grabbing my new car, amen. I'm grabbing some grapes tonight. I'm grabbing my ministry tonight. We need to start grabbing for the restoration of our families. We need to start grabbing for the healing of our bodies, amen. Don't be looking at those giants anymore. We need to be looking at the blessings of the Father because we are children of the King. You believe that? Amen. I want to leave you with this tonight. When God says, go into the land and possess it, that I've given that to you, and you walk into that blessing, and there is giants that start to surround you, you're not trespassing. They're trespassing on your land. God's given you that land. Don't be running away scared when God's giving you something. Amen? Amen. You're not stealing the grapes. They belong to you. You're not stealing these things. God has given them to you. Jesus paid for them with His blood. And the devil knows that the grapes belong to you. They're on your property. But the devil isn't going to give up without a fight. Can we just stretch our hands to the Lord's